0: The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Discover a positive path for spiritual living. Welcome to Voices of Unity with Reverend Ellen Debenport. Hello, and welcome to Voices of
1: Unity. I am Ellen Debenport. I'm here again with the Reverend Dr. Paul Hasselbeck. We've been having a wonderful series called The Absolute Fillmore. Voices of Unity is a show that invites different new thought leaders to share their wisdom and expertise. It helps you dive deep into spiritual topics. So you can discover new ideas and practices that will enhance your life. And our guests are sometimes ministers, sometimes others in the New Thought movement who have a body of work, something they can share over a period of several weeks. So this month is all about Paul Hasselbeck, and a month, of course, is not nearly enough time to uh, pump him for all the information he has (laughs) about Charles Fillmore. But he and I are both excited today about the 12 powers. The 12 powers are something that were devised by Charles Fillmore, and he can explain more about it. I've had a very ambivalent relationship with the 12 powers. Let me just say, I hated them for a long time, and then they grew on me as I came to understand them more. And, you know, I think the the shift for me, Paul, came when I was the minister at Unity of Wimberley, because that congregation early on created quilts to hang around the sanctuary representing each of the powers, and they were beautiful.
2: Beautiful. I saw You've been them. There. Oh yeah.
1: And also a quick and handy reference if I needed to remember what some of the powers were. <laughs> I can now, you know, name all twelve by just going around and picturing those quilts in my mind. They're on the unityofwimberley.org dot or dot com website if you want to look at those pictures. So I used to teach the 12 powers by saying these are divine attributes hardwired into human beings. And no doubt that is not the way you would phrase it.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) (laughs) like what else is new? So first of all, um, Charles did not create the 12 powers. They were first developed in the late 1800s. And they didn't come as 12 powers. They came as like 12 gems and each of them had a color and each of them had an attribute. What Charles added, to my knowledge, was the link between the 12 powers and the 12 disciples. And he certainly expanded the concept.
1: He didn't invent the 12 powers? He did not. I'm shocked.
2: Yes, so. Uh, but this is what happens when you go into the archives and, and do a deep dive. <laughs> and you
1: actually look at
2: the he, yeah. research. So okay. let, let me just say this in a, in a general way. I... One of the motivators for me, the way I motivated myself, is that I began to see things in the published writings that people weren't teaching. And I began to get curious. And that's one of the reasons why I went into the archive. So what did Charles really say? What did Myrtle really say? Mm-hmm. Uh, especially the unpublished stuff. And over, so what happened, in my opinion, in the movement, the uh, the – the correspondence course, which was an amazing course, was the reigning um, course of study from from about 1909 to the early late 60s, early 70s, and that was the Gospel of Unity
1: taught by mail.
2: taught taught by mail. Mm-hmm. Yes, not M A L E. No, M A
1: I L. <laughs> there would actually mail lessons back and forth.
2: Right, and there were great teachers here that that studied studied what came in and correct it and all of that, and then then when that went away, think, things started to shift some because there wasn't that gold standard. Now that that course of study was really good and it it contained some stuff too. So I like to think of remember the old mimeograph machines mm-hmm. that the more you used the master, it it got degraded yeah so I think the teachings and it's sort of like it's been sort of like the telephone game, the teaching over the years, as I teach you and you teach somebody and who you taught somebody it it just morphs that that's part that's... of the human nature. so every once in a while we have to go back to the originals and see if we agree with it or not. And I'm not going back to Charles as the authority, I'm going to Charles as the originator. And Myrtle as the originator. And then we have to take what they said in their time and bring it into 2019 and see if we still cord with it to see if it still makes sense. Okay. Okay.
1: We're live, by the way, on January 22nd. If you want to call and harass Paul or ask him any questions. Harass me, please. He <laughs> loves it. He loves to argue. It's 816-251-3555. So we will watch for your calls as we continue the discussion.
2: So I was like you, uh, maybe even more aggressive. I actively disliked the 12 powers. Uh, It seemed simplistic. It seemed um, contrived, the the relationship of the powers to body parts and all of that. And and I attribute that, the, the opinion I formulated based on how I was taught and the Twelve Powers uh, in Charles Fillmore's time was the hub of the wheel. By the time I was learning it, it was like this inconvenient bump on the wheel and we got to teach it because Charles wrote a book. That That is my – It's a required class. A required class. And by the way, it's it's the worst of Charles Fillmore in terms of his writing. Oh my
1: gosh. It's just convoluted and confusing and – I don't like to refer people to it. Fortunately, there are newer updated versions written by Paul Hasselbeck.
2: Yes, and Linda martello Yes, which the two uh, work really, really well together. Um, Linda's book is about uh, embodying the 12 powers, where the book I wrote with Cher is more mechanistic, and this is what they are, this is how you use them, yada, yada, yada. What's
1: the title of that one?
2: That's called Power Up. That was the original, and Bill and Cher um, dusted it off a little bit for a a retreat that was going to be given here at Unity Village um, and and rewrote the book in more generic, non-Christian language and added a lot of science to it. And so it's it's bigger. It's expanded with more, more exercise in this stuff. It's called Power Up Your Life. They put my name on the cover. I did very little. Uh, other than from the original work.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Linda's book is called Divine Audacity. Yeah. Wow. And it's wonderful. Oh, she explains the powers so well and breaks each of them down into three components. So you have other words to describe the power and remember it. Yes. And that's worth reading too.
2: Yes, yeah, she's she's a, a wonderful writer, and I heard she's going to be doing another book. I don't remember what it is, but
1: it's about healing.
2: About healing. I eagerly wait await that book.
1: Me too. <laughs> she's just now starting to write it.
2: Yes. Yeah, so uh, she's a buddy. So, um, so here is what happened. This is like telling such a story on myself. Many of you know I had the privilege to be the dean of spiritual education and enrichment here at Unity for ten years. And um someone had to teach the twelve powers, and we had this wonderful uh walking hug of a man named John Anderson he was a, uh, he was a he is a unity minister I don't know what happened to him uh, he kind of disappeared at one point and and he was our twelve powers teacher and he was very into um people exploring it on a feeling nature way and it was not linear and it drove our linear students crazy and they would show up in my office and i would say (laughs) stick with it stick with it don't chafe against it by the end you're going to like it and by and large most people did and so for years i didn't have to be concerned with the course and then one day one fateful day charles blackened my door Came through it. You know how it is? Someone stands there and he goes, Charles? No.
1: I mean you said Charles was in, in your door.
2: Oh I'm sorry. John. John, okay. John. And, and he was a black man, so I apologize if that people found that offensive. So this lovely man's in my door with this look on his face. He says, I need to talk to you. And we, we sat down and he said, I'm not I'm gonna leave. I'm not gonna teach you twelve powers anymore. I was crushed. I had no one on the faculty who loved the 12 powers like he did. And most of the ministers I knew didn't appreciate them in the way he did. Mm -hmm. So at that moment, I I, uh, took a deep breath, thought about it for about a week. And then uh, as a saying goes, I pulled up my big boy pants and said, I'm going to teach this course, but I'm not going to teach it like I have before. I'm going to take the deep dive. I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm going to figure these out. Now, uh, synchronistic, synchronistically, at the same time, I was, I was, as you know, I was doing research of, of Fillmore, and I began to notice something that was very disturbing. There was barely a page of either Myrtle or Charles where a power was not referenced in a specific way or generally. And that's where I went These were really important to Myrtle and Charles. Mm -hmm. Why and what have we lost? Same thing I did with the healing. People will remember we talked about that. What was lost? And so I I took the deep dive. Uh, I found out that the 12 chapters in Charles' book are based on 12 talks that first appeared in written form in Unity Magazine 1920. So 12 editions. Now those were the same, so they weren't much help. However, there were contemporaries of Charles who lived on campus and wrote for Unity Magazine, which for me were uh, clearer writers. One of them was E. V. Ingraham. He's now become one of my favorite writers. And through mostly him I began to see them through a different lens. And and one of the biggest shifts was that was that that a first push um, where I was – where I began to realize the powers don't use us. We use them. Okay. I'm going to do a paraphrase here. Uh, under – when he was talking about the power of power, the power of dominion, E.V. Hingraham said in Paul's words, you use the power yourself basically and you are so powerful that in the face – of the truth of life and wholeness, you can and do manifest disease. Ooh. You are so powerful that in the face of the truth of abundance and prosperity, you can and you do manifest lack. Wow. That stopped me in my tracks.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: He said it with a lot more words. That's my reduction of it. but uh, so that's when I began began to shift. And um, so I kept digging, I kept analyzing, I kept looking, and I quickly realized that most of the twelve powers books that were published after his was based on what what Charles wrote. So some of the errors that I I would say are in Charles are repeated in those books, mm-hmm. and, and one of them, just as a good example, is the power of will. In Charles's books and subsequent books, it gets confused with a divine will God has for us. Ooh. And so thats that doesn't work right right And um, so there are other little examples like that. It took me the longest time to realize that the power of love isn't a feeling, and the power of love is what we use to have. The feeling of love and it's where i realized that one of its fundamental abilities that we use and experience is our ability to desire
1: we talked about that last week last
2: week and people you people have this negative opinion of desire yes but if you if you look up desire throughout all the published writings it appears everywhere and in fact one of the quotes I used last week, desire is a form of prayer. Mm-hmm. Yikes, right? <laughs> so desire So desire uh, is a fundamental ability we use to do almost anything. We move from desire to desire, essentially.
1: So we tend to talk on this show as if everybody listening is familiar with Unity. Charles Fillmore is Unity's co-founder. He and his wife, Myrtle. Founded Unity in 1889 and did a lot of writing. They didn't start a church. They started a magazine. They started publishing books. And so Unity is still part publishing in what it offers the world, which is the department that I work in. And we should probably just name the 12 powers.
2: Yeah. So I can do that. I bet. So here's the thing. If you cannot – name the power if you cannot bring it to mind you cannot use it consciously Mm -hmm. so that's that's a fundamental thing so are you ready I'm ready okay so i don't you know what why don't i do this um let me do it sort of in a different way are you are you game for that oh sure okay so i'm going to ask you and the listeners and you're going to speak for the listeners do you notice you have the ability to believe yes that's your power of faith do you notice you have the ability to be strong or persevere? Yes, that's your ability of strength. Do you notice you have the ability to compare and contrast? Oh yes, that's your power of wisdom. Do you notice you have the ability to harmonize, unify, and desire? On a good day. On a good day. That's a well. <laughs> we can desire some things incorrectly too. True, and but th-
1: harmonize is a good day.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's your that's the power of love. Do you notice you have the ability to master or control?
1: Sometimes.
2: That's your power of dominion or the power of power. Mm-hmm. Do you notice you have the, the ability to conceptualize or imagine? Yes. That's your power of imagination. Do you notice you have the ability to understand or know? Mm-hmm. That's your power of understanding. Do you notice you have the power to direct yourself uh, or the ability to choose? Yes. That is your power of will. Do you notice you have the ability to adjust, uh, organize, and sequence? Yes. That's your power of order. Do you notice you have the ability to be enthusiastic? Mm -hmm. That's your power of zeal. Do you notice you have the ability to let go, release, or renounce? Yes. That's your power. Power of elimination. Do you notice you have the the ability to um, energize, activate, take action? Yes, that is your power of life. So that's the twelve powers and the best words I have for now to associate with them. And personally, I I think twelve powers would would do well to have an upgrade and change their names to what they actually are used for. Mm-hmm. And so that that's why I. I call them team consciousness. They're they're a team of abilities in my mind. I'm the coach and I direct them. And so I give them uh the names of positions on the team like you have positions on a baseball team like like the pitcher, the batter, first baseman, all of that. So so to go through them again,
1: um well so clearly we've we've already got them. Yes. Available. Yes. Do they have to be developed or brought forth?
2: First, they have to be brought into awareness. Mm-hmm. They're always present because they are—they are divine ideas. They are or divine principles. That's another thing students often don't know. I sometimes do not think of each of the powers as as a divine idea. So they're already at the point of view because the divine, as principle and law, is everywhere, totally present. So first, we have to get become aware of them to use them consciously. Now, until we're, until we're aware of them, we are using them. You cannot not use them. Right. Okay? And so once we become aware of them, we can start um, using them more effectively. Okay. Anything else?
1: <laughs> no. So what were you going to do with them?
2: So if we if we look at them, so faith is my believer – Strength would be like my stalwart or my strong man. For you, it would be a strong woman, Mm -hmm. okay? Um, The the power of judgment is my evaluator. The power of love is my desirer or harmonizer. The power of uh, dominion or power of power is, um, I like to call it my sovereign. It's kind of like my king and your queen. Mm -hmm. Um, It does It's the ability where I have absolute um, dominion over my consciousness. Um, Understanding is my knower. Will is my chooser. Order is my organizer or something like that. Uh, Zeal is my enthusiast. Uh, Elimination is – we could call it my garbage man, but we could call it my eliminator. Oh, sometimes people call zeal the cheerleader. I kind of like that. Mm -hmm. And life is my energizer. Okay. Okay. So they're team consciousness, mm-hmm. and the overall idea that Charles put forth on on these twelve abilities or twelve powers is we use them to regenerate Christ consciousness. Is what he says. I say we use them to raise consciousness. They are the tools we use to um, expand, evolve, raise, make our consciousness better.
1: I'm thinking they could probably all be used on a spectrum of healthy to unhealthy.
2: Yeah, so I actually have a tool for that. We're on one end; um, I call it underdeveloped when we use it, uh, either unhealthy or not at all. Mm -hmm. And then there's balanced in the morning, in the middle, which is what I just described. And then there's overdeveloped. Okay, so so for example, overdeveloped zeal would be zeal vicious. Okay. It, would be, it would be the Apostle Paul when he was still Saul. Uh huh. Okay, the zealot.
1: He was zealot about, zealous about persecuting Christians. Right. Yep.
2: Right, and then, and then we liked him because he became a zealot for Christianity. Right. right? So then we would say he was zealicious. Those are a couple of words oh, I've made up zeal <laughs> vicious and zealicious. <laughs> okay. Okay.
1: <laughs> um, give me another example. Of healthy and unhealthy.
2: So the the easiest one to work on there would be either elimination or order. Let's do order. So overdeveloped would be OCD. Oh,
1: uh-huh.
2: okay. Uh, what's that? Um, OCD
1: obsessive compulsive disorder.
2: That <laughs> exactly. And uh, underdeveloped order would be like chaos, a messy desk, a messy messy house. Okay. Okay. Uh, overdeveloped elimination would be. Uh, throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And undeveloped elimination would work really good with order because you don't throw anything away. Mm-hmm. Okay? Okay. Yeah.
1: Elimination um, makes people uncomfortable. Just the word yeah. makes them uncomfortable. And Fillmore wrote about it in a really specific physical way. Yes, that he did. all creatures eliminate. And I – so people have used a lot of other words for that, like renunciation and so renunciation release.
2: started at as the best word mm-hmm. and even so every cell in our body must eliminate the poisons mm-hmm. and so it is a crucial power I like release um, I even la- I, I prefer release over denial, which is the process we use to to disempower thoughts ideas and beliefs and images
1: and i've I've come around to liking that power a lot. I mean, it's crucial to be able to release what no longer serves you. We talk about that all the time.
2: Yeah, just have a bad case of constipation and you will know (laughs) how bad it is to have an underdeveloped elimination.
1: That's the kind of elimination people are trying to avoid talking about.
2: I know. But we're human beings, right? (laughs) You know, Chuck and Charles, uh, Chuck, Chuck and Myrtle, I should say, or Mert. Uh, did all they could to avoid talking about sex, or and, and, and the only time they talked about it, usually with Charles, was in a very negative way. So, so instead of associating life with our sexual organs, they assi- they associate it with this is very genteel, degenerative organs. Aha! Uh-huh. Right? Okay.
1: <laughs> well, so this might interest you, the millennials on my staff love the 12 powers and some have some unity background and some have come in fresh and just discovered the 12 powers and they love them so
2: who are they reading
1: well i'm not sure i've recommended linda
2: good that may be the best first book i can't believe i'm saying that divine audacity uh, yes because of the her approach
1: yeah uh but they see it a little differently. For me, it's such hardcore Fillmore, the 12 powers, and they don't see it that way at all. Our product developer thinks if, if we just don't mention Fillmore so much, the 12 powers could be used for lots of things.
2: So I have psychologists using the 12 powers in their practices using my assessment tool. And we can teach the 12 powers to anybody without any ref- reference to mm-hmm. religiosity or spirituality or to unity. It is an amazing tool.
1: So one of our copy editors, David Pinner, is a comic book fanatic. And last year he proposed to me writing a comic book series about the 12
2: powers. Oh, I'm on board.
1: Which he has started. And so the first edition should be out in about a month. Excellent. There will be a website that goes with it. We're going to Kansas City Comic Con with it. It's a really light touch on the 12 powers, but the storyline is, you know, the dystopian future when technology has taken over everything, including people's bodies, but a few people have been able to resist that. And the woman who invented it wants to return herself to being human and to do that, she develops her 12 powers. Brilliant. Isn't that good?
2: It's brilliant. I've been actually thinking about how we could do a metaphysics text, dropping the religiosity, which I already do with my language, mm-hmm. and 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 make it a graphic novel or a graphic book.
1: Well, this will come out one at a time, and then I think we'll compile it into a brilliant. bound book. Brilliant. The artwork is being done by one of our artists, two of our artists, and it's just it's just fascinating and it all takes place here at Unity Village. Oh sweet. Which you would only recognize if you really know the village and you can see it in ruins. Nice. Uh, I don't know if it gets restored by the end or not.
2: So, to be revealed.
1: Exactly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so I so <laughs> I, I can't help but saying that at, at, as they're writing those books, I wish they would consult me. On the powers.
1: I will mention that to them. No charge. <laughs> right. So we'll be back with more of the 12 powers. This is Paul Hasselbeck. With me, I'm Ellen Devonport, and this is Voices of Unity.
2: Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world.
0: It takes you to power Unity Online Radio. If you'd like to make a positive difference in the world, you can by contributing to this global ministry. Unity Online Radio relies on listeners like you to support our broadcasts that send our messages out to an awakening world. Go to UnityOnlineRadio.org and click on Donate Today.
2: Here's a Unity Teachable Moment with Rev. Blair Tabor from Unity San Diego, taken from a talk called Sacred Service, The Ultimate Spiritual Growth. Who we are and who we perceive ourselves to be as human beings is just such a small part of who we are as spiritual beings. You remember the phrase that I like, you know, Emily Katie says, God did not make you to be spiritual pygmies, but spiritual giants. You know, and do we live as if we're spiritual giants? No, we don't. We live, live as if we're you know, weak human beings. You know, we're spiritual giants. We need to live that way in our lives. So we have to let go of the ego. It's a challenge because we spent so much energy and focus on, on our ego. On dressing a certain way and talking a certain way and looking a certain way and, and lining ourselves in certain ways to, to uphold that ego identity. But as we're willing to let that go, let it be permeable to spirit. then what we find is we're connected to that infinite oneness that is God. To find a Unity Church near you, visit unity.org.
0: Now's the time to register for this year's Heart of Healing Retreat, hosted by the leaders of the Silent Unity Prayer Ministry. Imagine coming to the beautiful campus of Unity Village with its fountains and rose garden to rest and renew your spirit as you explore the spiritual principles of healing. You'll spend time in silence as well as celebration. The retreat is April 25th to 28th with an early bird discount before March 1st. Visit unity.org slash silentunityretreat.
1: Did you know Unity has published a new book by Eric Butterworth? This wonderful writer and teacher who is loved by so many people left a recorded class called Practical Metaphysics that has now been turned into a book. It's vintage Butterworth. He explains how to live from a deeper state of consciousness and awaken to health, love, prosperity, and peace of mind. Practical Metaphysics. Find it online by going to unity.org and click shop.
0: The world is full of people with amazing stories. I'm Diane Ray, and make plans to join me every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Central for my radio show, Be Present. Each week, I invite you to join in the conversation as I talk to guests about health and wellness, spirituality, metaphysics, philosophy, and a lot more. I want to share information that you can apply to your life today. Listen live or download the show later on demand. I hope you can tune in here on unityonlineradio.org, the voice of an awakening world. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to Voices of Unity with Rev. Ellen Devonport.
1: We are back with Voices of Unity, and I'm here with the Rev. Dr. Paul Hasselbeck. Who is one of the probably best known teachers in the Unity movement? He has students all over the world, and you can spot them because they talk like him, which is a way that no one else talks. talks. They've learned some things and and know some phrases that no one else uses. But, but Paul has uh, done a lot, I think, to shift the whole teaching foundations of unity in maybe the last ten years.
2: So the way I would describe that yeah. is so I tried to shift the organizations mm-hmm. and that didn't work. And then then I took a clue from um The gay movement and the marijuana movement and all of that, instead of trying to do it nationally, they went state by state, gay marriage and all of that. Yeah. And so I just started focusing on the students.
1: Just go student by student. Student by
2: student. And I would say it's the students that are doing the shift. Mm -hmm. I I am merely and simply the provider of a point of view and information without them looking at it and taking it on and causing small shifts to the dismay of their ministers and their churches. (laughs) Um, Yeah. 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 And the people get it. Um, Licensed unity teachers and ministers who've been around for a while don't. And that's because um, it's like once we come, a lot of people, once they become LUTs or ministers, they think they have the answers and they do. The problem is they stopped questioning their answers. And questioning answers is key. And you've heard me talk about Mm -hmm. that before. Yeah,
1: And I've sometimes wished I could go back to school because uh, this year is my 20th anniversary since ordination.
2: Congratulations. Well,
1: thanks. But I feel like students today are learning all kinds of things I didn't get to learn.
2: me, Me either. So I may just have to take some classes. Yeah. And you can always take a class with me. So Yes. Right. And this
1: is where we remind people how to find out more about you.
2: Yes. So you can go to paulhasselbeck.com and on there I have a calendar that lists where I'm going and what I'm teaching. I am booked out until July, which delights me when we're only in January. Mm -hmm. And so I'm speaking and teaching around the country. There's – My uh, Metaphysical Romp 2 program, which was on the Unity Online Network for quite a while, where I co-host with Bill and Cher Holton, where we talk about science and metaphysics and what we think is the cutting edge, and we're questioning each other's answers. Mm -hmm. But there's – not but. And there's an amazing, amazing archive on Unity Online Radio of uh, 10 years of programming and some of that is me simply reading a charles fillmore talk and i read them cold by the way i don't I, I i really prefer to do that way i read them cold and i cold and i spontaneously respond and um amplify and that has sharpened my my skills when i'm working with people one-on-one. On one. so uh there's that and um I teach the Integrated Metaphysics course for the licensed Unity Teachers for UWSI. And I also teach a class um, that others can take but not be in the program called The, teaching, uh, the Writings of Charles and Myrtle Fillmore, which mm-hmm. is running right now, which is a fun class to teach.
1: Good. Yep. Thanks.
2: So I'm all over, kind of like dust. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so when I was learning all this – Back in the day, I learned something about how the 12 powers pair off or get grouped together, that there are some that really aren't that good without another one, like love and wisdom. You know, going around hugging everybody will get you in trouble.
2: Yeah, especially today.
1: Yes, but simply thinking your way through life isn't what we're going for either, so you combine – Love and wisdom, is that still a valid teaching?
2: So I think it can be a useful construct, and as all constructs go, that has its limitations. Because what you just did there with love and wisdom, you made the assumption that love is feeling and wisdom is thinking. And that's not fair. Um, What Charles did say is each power has a thinking aspect and a feeling aspect. Uh, I'm not even sure I agree with that. However, if it's a useful tool – Run with it. Now, the essential problem with pairing love and wisdom is love is our ability to desire. So we want to make sure we are wisely desiring things, desiring Mm -hmm. with wisdom, okay? Mm -hmm. However, wisdom is not about the outcome. It's about the process. That's where we get confused with both the word judgment and wisdom. That's why discernment would be a better word word today because discernment is a process. Judgment is both a process and an outcome. Wisdom is both a process. When we talk about the wisdom of uh, going blank here, Saul, is that right? Saul, the, the king who, anyway. He was crazy. Okay. So when we talk about wisdom, Solomon, Solomon that's it. The wisdom of Solomon. Uh, we're talking about his wise ideas. But wisdom as a power is an ability for us to evaluate. You cannot evaluate without information. The power that we use to provide ourselves with information is understanding. So so love, wisdom, and understanding have to be working together. But wait. There's another power. So – in our comparing and contrasting what we know based on wisdom, understanding, we got to make a choice. And the ability to choose is the power of will. So I think of love, wisdom, understanding, and will as a group of four that we're always using together. It's like a hamster reel that's always spinning because I don't know about you, what I notice is human beings, especially me, we are judging and evaluating machines on a constant basis. If we didn't evaluate, we could never make a decision. We're even using that combination of four when we choose our breakfast, when we select our clothing in the morning. It, those are the four, four powers that are in operation.
1: Interesting. Love, wisdom, understanding, and will. Yes. You're right, I'm trying to think of an example where, yeah, you're right.
2: Yeah, and uh, so thank you, and so that <laughs> that is the heart uh-huh. of the mechanism of team consciousness. We might call them the infield. Okay, uh, that that um, is the heart of my process of the fundamentals of raising consciousness. Which, by the way. So this is an example of thoughts held in mind. Mm-hmm. So m- several years ago, before I developed this, I was talking with Cher Holton, uh, my co-author for Power Up, and neither one of us were really satisfied for what we how we talked about the powers in the reference in the, in, in reference to regenerating Christ consciousness. It just seemed not enough to simply affirm a power and visualizing it where it is in the body. So I began asking the question of Cher and others. How do we use the powers to raise consciousness? What's the nitty-gritty of it? Charles never explained it. And then it took about two years for it an answer to become very apparent in my mind. And that's where I got – The Fundamentals of Raising Consciousness, that's where I got the concept of of they're a team that we use to actively raise consciousness. So now I have a process in place for what Charles called regeneration. That's not a term I like anymore. Um, So it's very concrete. It's very measurable. And the coolest thing, the very coolest thing, it uses almost every major teaching of the unity movement. It use, uses the law of mind action. It uses mind idea expression. It uses the law of expression. It uses 12 principles. It uses denials and affirmations. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. And it makes sense because I think of meditation, prayer, and the twelve powers for raising consciousness, of of a three legged stool that are the heart of the unity teaching according to Charles and Myrtle.
1: So I'm still back on that word regeneration. Yeah, because it's one of Charles's more confusing teachings, I think. Yes, was he? He seemed to be saying we'll live forever.
2: So we got to be fair to Charles. He said that. But what he also said is we are regenerating the spiritual body in many places. And so then that begs the question, what is the spiritual body? Right. And the answer is it's made up of spiritual thoughts. That's Charles' answers. So what are we doing? We're regenerating consciousness. That That's what it's about. Yeah, he believed his body would last forever, but he also believed in regeneration. I mean um, reincarnation. And after all, Myrtle said she was going to leave to work on the other side. So, um, if we could just let Charles have that little bit whacked belief, okay? <laughs> I mean, so the, here's the whack part. He so he believed that Jesus was an example of regeneration, but I don't see Jesus walking around.
1: Okay, okay which
2: would which would mean Jesus's body would still be walking around, but it's not. And so regeneration of the physical body is not the point. Um, Renewing consciousness is. And so there there are several concepts in the unity movement based on Myrtle and Charles which arise from other spiritual traditions including Christianity which they never questioned and they never escaped. And one of them is the fall in consciousness – that humankind had a fall in consciousness and now everyone's struggling to get back to our original condition. Well, folks, that doesn't work for me because any way you slice it, it makes it that we did something wrong or bad. And all of the traditions I've read talk about, well, you're the son of God and you're perfect, but you had an erroneous thought and that's what. So how does something perfect have an erroneous thought? I mean, none of it None of it made sense to me. It always niggled at me. And it's been in the last five years I just said, okay, I just got to let that go. What would replace it? What would replace it? So uh, going on another Bible thing, as above, so below, Mm -hmm. blah, 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 and that the outer realm is somehow a reflection of the inner realm of consciousness, and it must be based on divine idea and principle – I looked at the world around us, and what do we see in the world around us? We see a universe and the biome that is expanding, growing, and evolving. So that makes a wonderful model. So you, I'll just speak of you, you are an example of consciousness that in this lifetime is working to grow expand and evolve it correct yes and can we assume that you've been doing that over lifetimes yes you're you're not trying to get back home to your original condition because your divinity is unchanged unchanging unchangeable it's always present it's always available for you to use in your relative State mm-hmm. okay, and so what I believe is what we're all doing individually and collectively is raising consciousness or evolving consciousness or expanding consciousness, and it's not a straight line for it, sure it it looks more like a graph of the stock market.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: We go up and down and up and down, however, the general trend is is expansion and evolution. Charles called it the law of growth, and we're back to the law of mind action. A thought held in mind produces after its kind in the most simplistic way we can say it, even though it's a little erroneous. Because it's really a thought held with feeling in mind produces more thoughts and feelings of the same kind. So what happens is we grow a a thought-feeling colony in our minds. And so I've started adding this to when I'm teaching um, the law of mind action. We've only been teaching half of it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So when you hold a thought with feeling in mind, you will inevitably – chemicalize its opposite or whatever's in your consciousness that's in opposition.
1: I've noticed that.
2: Okay, And it comes into awareness, not as evidence that we're doing something wrong, as evidence we're in the right track. And so the law of mind action grows a thought with feeling and consciousness and stimulates conscious and unconscious thoughts and beliefs that are in opposition to it. And what that does, we become aware of those and then we can work on those and heal those, transform those, eliminate those, whatever is appropriate for whatever the thought or belief is. And so what happens over the years when I was teaching it without this secondary Mm -hmm. but primary component, let's call it, is that students would be holding a thought with feeling in mind through an affirmation and then think they were failing – when their um, adverse ego mind was working overtime to oppose it. What am I doing wrong? You're doing nothing wrong. You're doing just what you need to do to bring those things into awareness, to manage them, and then to either, like I said, heal them, transform them, or completely disempower them.
1: So is that what's going on when we say, don't ever pray for patience? Because as soon as you say, I want to be more patient, every annoying thing in the world will show up for you.
2: Yes. And that also happens um, because of cognitive bias. Those things probably were happening before. And because now you're focusing on it, they pop out of the background. And now we see them Mm -hmm. and we experience them differently because of a change of our intention. Mm -hmm. Intention's key here.
1: So – and next week is manifestation. Oh, yeah. Which will be more on the law of mind action and yep. all and, those laws. And
2: manifesting more and more purely a Christ consciousness is is part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So the 12 powers, um, what do you think are the most misunderstood powers?
2: First one is will. It's It's understood to be the will of God, mm-hmm. which it isn't. The second and maybe equal is love. It's always confused with the feeling, and that's why we need – that one I would change first. Um, and will second, I would change uh, love to desire and will to choice to keep it simplistic and more understandable. So th- those two are the first ones that pop to mind that uh, are, are misunderstood. And it's very difficult to get students – off of seeing the power of love as the feeling and sensation of love.
1: Yes, that's hard for me too. Very difficult. Calling it desire makes that a lot clearer.
2: Yes, and so what happens is a kind of cognitive dissonance within the person, and they never really hear me say love is desire.
1: And will is another one. It's hard in congregations for them to – here, God doesn't have a will for your life.
2: Yeah. And Charles makes it even cloudier because someplace he and Myrtle both talk as if God does.
1: Divine blueprint.
2: Divine blueprint. Well, so divine blueprint is different. So is there's it? a divine blueprint for your body, which is, we could say, is governed by the 12 principles. Okay? That doesn't mean there's someone deciding that for you, which would be God's will. It would be you can only manifest a physical body within the parameters, parameters of the principles and the laws. And, and that is no different than the physical world. The, the, the constants and laws of physics create parameters in which the physical universe arises.
1: But I think divine blueprint is used to mean destiny.
2: There's yes, plan it is. for
1: your life, certain things are going to happen,
2: yeah, there isn't
1: <laughs> right, I agree, yeah, and it's a hard sell in church.
2: It's a hard sell because so uh, most of the people we deal with come from a very traditional theology, and the the joy of God having a plan or or blueprint for their lives uh thrills them, but yet they never discover it. That's because it doesn't exist. And if they do discover it, they're they're giving God the credit for something. They manifest it themselves.
1: But, but they don't want to make it up as they go along. Just be responsible for your own life and everything Yeah, they don't, they don't want to
2: make it up as they go along and they're doing it anyway, so get over it. <laughs> you know, it's like you're making it up. So that's where Eric Butterworth was really clear. He was really good about advancing the concept that God doesn't have these – a specific will for you Mm -hmm. yeah, or a plan. Wow. Did you have many people or at least over your 20 years of people who were stuck because they couldn't discern what God's will was for them? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I've always said, wow, it's just so painful.
1: Well, and they're terrified of making a choice because it might not be what God wants. Yes. And just the phrase god wants is (laughs) makes me shudder right so for someone for whom this is a new idea what we're saying is god is not a being
2: with parts like man
1: or not but that has opinions and uh, intentions for your life it that's a really lonely feeling though for a lot of people
2: it is However, think of it this way. Let's just go all Christian anthropomorphic, okay? Or some fundamental the way in which Charles said things. So let's let's assume God is a being with parts like a man. That is our Father, and we are God's children. God doing it for all of it for ourselves is God saying his child, which is identical in nature, cannot do it for himself. Does that make sense?
1: Say that again.
2: Okay. If we think of God as father and we are God's children, identical to God because we are God's image and likeness, Mm -hmm. okay, God doing it for us is God saying child you can't do it yourself and so how could that possibly be if we're identical if we are the image and likeness
1: well i think it's fine with a lot of people if god does it for them
2: yes but the thing is they're
1: not understanding what who they are
2: so here's the fun thing they're not well i would say what but you know that's another okay so here they are (laughs) making decisions um Reading messages from God and deciding what to do, and blaming God <laughs> or making God responsible—we're saying God did it. And how many times have you heard someone say, "Let's just go to the ministry." God is calling me to serve that church, and then they get there and they crash and burn. Yes. Well, was God God wrong?
1: Well, God works in mysterious ways, and there might have been things they needed to learn from that experience. Yeah,
2: and then we're back to God and the universe teaching us lessons. Yeah, right. That's a a sticky wicket.
1: Emily Cady said in Lessons in Truth, one of Unity's classic books. First book. Yep, That um, your will is God's will for you.
2: Yes, because— God's will is your power of will. It's your principle, your divine idea. That is what God's will is.
1: So you're saying I can do whatever I want. There's no God out there watching or caring or judging what I do.
2: Exactly.
1: And if it all goes wrong, it's my fault, including getting sick.
2: So anything that's negative like that or anything that's positive – what we always have to constantly remember is that while we are individual, we're also collective and that the, the fact that we are one mind uh, has its impact at the point of us. So, so in, in my way of thinking, uh, there is really only one ego, for example, and that we are all examples of that ego. And uh, whenever I get sick, I think it's a very uh, crucial question to ask myself: Is there anything in my consciousness contributing to this? And it becomes an even more important question. I was listening to NPR last week, and there is recent research out of uh, Stanford that that it was it was around this genetic testing thing, mm-hmm. and. I can't remember the details, but what they found was they could provide misinformation to a person, and that person would use that to form a mindset, and the mindset works with the body as a unit to go out, to go about proving that mindset through its chemical processes. So think about that for a moment. So Chuck and Myrtle, were not too far off on this, it's just that we can't go completely literal- Um, However, body and mind are a unit. They're inseparable. Each affects the other. And we have to remember that there is collective consciousness. There is a belief that resides in collective consciousness. Or if you want to go all New Age, the Akashic Records, uh, there is a belief in death. There's a belief in sickness. And so we can have the effects of that at the point of us. So the point of power in each of us is that looking at ourselves and how can we change our own minds while we work with medical science. Because the discoveries of medical science must be using divine principle and law.
1: OK. I'm going to have to go back and listen to that again. <laughs> but in the in the 30 seconds we have left, how why should I care about the 12 powers? Is it worth it to go learn about them?
2: So – if you want to live your life more consciously and more effectively, this is the best tool I know of now. When I when I show up in the in a meeting like a, a jerk, one of the first things I do when the meeting is over is I go to the twelve powers and look at which ones weren't I using, which ones were overdeveloped, which ones are whatever, mm-hmm. so I can work at balancing those powers. Yeah.
1: So this could be a daily thing.
2: It, it is a daily thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we'll be back again for one more week with Paul Hasselbeck. We'll talk next week about manifestation, Yeah. which is how to get what you want. Oh, not that simple. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> this is Ellen Devonport. We'll see you next week with Voices of Unity.
2: Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Farber, and I am an author, teacher, psychotherapist, and shamanic practitioner. On my podcast, Healing for Your Soul,